Hey everyone, I hope everyone's having a great week and Merry Christmas to all. Today's guest served in Farmington, New Mexico. He had an incredible experience teaching people on his mission that weren't of our faith. Um, he He's a wonderful guy. He is very outgoing. And he told me that he has lived in over 14 states, so he learned how to make friends pretty quickly. And it, it was a great attribute for him on, on his mission, but... Please welcome Jaden Hopper. You are listening to The Life of a Missionary, a podcast that dives into the experiences of former missionaries of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. My name is Enrique Nunez, and I will be your host to the journey of these mission stories from all over the world. Thanks for tuning in. All right, so Winslow, Arizona. Yeah, man. Uh, that was my third area. Uh, I was there the longest. I was there for nine months. And, man, it was fun. Like, the song by the Eagles, where they're talking about standing on the corner in Winslow, Arizona, does not do the place justice. <laughs> it's this little railroad town. Um, half the people that work there are railroaders, and the other half that work there, I don't even know what they do. They just do their own random stuff. I liked Winslow because it was small, and it was something where my companion and I, we jumped into the area, we uh, whitewashed it is the term that missionaries used. In other words, we went into the area where the missionaries that were before us, um, they were covering like the entire city. And so when we came in, they split the city in, ha- city in half, and so we were kind of like just jumping into this brand new area kind of thing. And I really enjoyed that. I liked jumping into an area without any foreknowledge of the area because it allowed me to sit there and be like, okay, let's turn this upside down, see what sticks, flip it back over, and just start from scratch. And I liked that a lot. And so whenever, I'm sorry, when we jumped into Winslow, Arizona, we got to know the entire half of the town that we worked in. Like, right. there there wasn't an area in there we hadn't have been at by the time I finished being there. You said you were there for three transfers? I was there for nine months. That's a lot more than three Oh, transfers. that's true. That's like five transfers. Really? I thought it was six. Is it five? I can't remember. It could be It could it's be six. I don't remember. I tried measuring time by transfers when I got no, you, home. You, I think you're right because I, I was I was in one area for five transfers and that was about seven months. So you're probably right. Okay, we're gonna guess six six transfers. Six transfers. transfers. That's a long time, man. I liked it. And I had a companion for most of that. Uh, it wasn't until the very end I got a new companion, and he had just come from being his own leader. Oh, and okay. he came to the area, and then when I left, it became his own leader area. And I was like, "That's right, baby. Oh, nice. Look at that." But anywho, a little bit about Winslow. Um, there's this big Baptist church there. Okay. <laughs> It was like, it's like one of the biggest Baptist churches. The First Baptist Church, I'm guessing there's a lot of Baptist churches out there called the First Baptist Church. But this one was the First Baptist Church, and it was huge. In my opinion, it was one of the biggest churches in all of Arizona. Oh, wow. Um, There had been this pastor that came in a few years back. Uh, He was a bit of a younger guy, um, and he he just started, like, changing things, making things so much better. And he was awesome. Like, he was one of my favorite people to teach as a missionary because he was very smart. He's very smart. He's very calculated. He was a good businessman. He had a solid head on his shoulders. And when he came in and started working on the church, he, uh, let's see, I, I think he built, because the church had three buildings. Okay, it had an office building, a gym building, and then, like, classrooms building. Like his church? Yeah, his church. Okay. Um, but when he came in, I think he built, I think he uh, got the funds together to build the office building, and he remodeled both the other buildings. I don't remember the exact story. But he, he, everybody in town knew him by name. Pastor Fred, oh, dude, I love that guy. And so in the first week we came in there, we, uh, we didn't know where to go or what to do, so we just prayed about it. Went down, went, uh, drove around until we stopped at a place, and we're like, all right, we're going to start knocking here. Uh, Lord, tell us what to do. We started knocking. 
nothing at the first couple of houses, but then like I think it's like the third house. This lady opens up and she just seems excited to see us, and we're like, dude, this is awesome. She takes two copies of the Book of Mormon. Her kids come out and they're giving us high fives and stuff. And we're like, what? Gold mine. They, yeah, we're like, <laughs> dude, these guys already know the missionaries. This is awesome. Uh oh. Well, um, a week later, uh, we went back. I don't remember if it was a week later, or two weeks later, doesn't matter. We went back and we actually got to meet the guy, and we started talking to him and he explains to us that he's the pastor of this church and we're like whoa this is cool man never taught a pastor before this is gonna be exciting and before the mission i had you know i'd gone to a couple other churches just because friends invited me and i thought it'd be a fun experience and stuff and i enjoyed it and everything but this was completely different being able to get to know this guy he he was a very spiritually minded man in my opinion i saw him pray a lot and really genuinely mean it when he'd studied the bible it was more than just to know the bible it was because he wanted to know the lord Right. He, had, he had a heart in the right place. And so we as missionaries started meeting with him and inviting him to read from the Book of Mormon. He started in 3rd Nephi, read all of 3rd Nephi, whole thing. And then he started reading in, was it Alma? Was it 1st Nephi? I can't remember what this next place was, but he only read a little bit in that. And anywho, and th this, is where, this is the story I want to get into. This is a funny story. We were meeting with him for months, and we started ending up meeting with like half of his congregation, man, because we're getting <laughs> to know the entire half of our town, you know, and whenever we talk about, oh, yeah, we, we know Pastor Fred, or, you know, they're like, oh, we got another church thing that we're going to. We're like, we know Pastor Fred. We know this church and everything, and it would be awesome because they'd be like, what? You you know my pastor? Come on in. Let's sit down and talk for a little okay. while. It was like, it's like we were using this guy as a missionary opportunity to meet other people, and then he would invite us to every now and then little community things that they were throwing, um, and they had like this... Uh, clothes for kids activity i can't even remember what it was it was just some sort of activity that was taking up main street and he invited us so we we showed up we came to it and everybody's looking at us like what are the mormon missionaries doing at the baptist event here what the heck mm -hmm. and it was awesome um they gave us free hot dogs and stuff and we just went around and started talking to people i thought it was fun we weren't there for very long it was like maybe 30 minutes at most but you know it was it was enough to get our faces out there and right. that was the big thing that we my companion uh, his name was elder deer Oh my gosh, that guy changed my life. I just went to his wedding a couple months ago. And shout out. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> shout out. I love Elder Deer, man. Um, he and I, we wanted to just, I guess, just get to know everybody, get our faces out there, get us known out there because it was, I, I guess you could say it was a small area, but it covered half of a town. So there was a lot of people in it. Um, and eventually, around Christmas time, um, we were meeting with a lot of people from his congregation, from his church and everything. Um, a couple of them had gotten baptized even into our church and stuff like that. Um, and he invited us to a Christmas carol thing. And we were like, oh, okay, Christmas carols, that's cool. Neither of us were really big into singing at that time. I've repented of that. I'm big into singing <laughs> now. But um, neither of us were really big into singing at the time. And we were like, yeah, okay, but, you know, we'll definitely look into it if our schedule lets us go. And we're both thinking, no, nah, we don't want to go to this. Come on. Um, and then, you know, throughout the week, we're meeting with other people, and they're all inviting us to the same thing. And they're just all describing it as Christmas carols. Well, they didn't really describe it, but Pastor Fred described it as Christmas carols. I thought it, I, I didn't really think much of it. I was like, yeah, we're probably just not going to go. Um, until a few weeks later, it's getting close to that time with the Christmas carol thing. Um, my companion has a dream that we went to that church and that we had to give our testimonies at the front of the church and that we were getting booed and stuff and, you know, and <laughs> getting chased out of the church and stuff. And I was like, that's kind of freaky. I'm taking that as a sign that we should not go. Hmm. A couple of days later, I had the same dream. And my companion was up there and I had to go up there and defend him. And, uh, 
man, that was a surreal experience, let me tell you. So, uh, well, you know, I tell him, like, dude, I had the same dream. He's like, oh, no, that means we have to go. And I'm like, yeah, dude, we just got called out by the Lord. We got to do this. Um, so we pray about it, and we're like, yeah, this feels like something we should do. I, I, I was terrified at this point. I'd never done anything like this before, so I was terrified. My companion, you know, other deer, he was definitely worried about it, but this guy, he wasn't afraid of anything, okay? He could be getting chased down by a lion and just stare at the lion and be like, what's up? I don't know if it was courage or just luck, but whatever it was, he was good at it. Um, and so Christmas Eve comes around, and we were like, okay, we're going to go do this. We go pull up in front of their church. There was this one parking spot right in front of their church where everybody could see, you know, the uh, the Mormon missionaries, white Nissan Frontier, the uh, the angel of death, as some people said, in my <laughs> opinion. I think it was like, I think it was just some kids from the war that had said that. Like, oh, it's the white horseman, or whatever. Um <laughs> And we're seeing all these people go inside, and we had been told that it was just going to be right next to it, you know, right outside in the parking lot. Now, the parking lot was full of cars, and uh, everybody's going inside, and we're like, what, what the heck? Uh, maybe they're just meeting inside? But the cars are there? What's going on? And we're like, okay. So we said a little prayer. We're like, all right, Lord, um, if, uh, if this turns out bad, uh, please have our backs. Uh, we don't want to die. Let's let this go well. You know, we're just <laughs> kind of freaking out a little bit. But we get out, and we go inside, and... Uh, the hand is, and like, you know, like the, the greeters and whatnot are just looking at us like, what? Uh, are you guys supposed to be here? Okay. And they give us a candle and they give us a little program, which by the way, these programs looked a lot like the programs that we use. You know how like uh, when you come into our church meetings, you get that little program. Yeah, like the little piece of paper. Yeah, that has the speakers and on the back has contact information, yeah. upcoming activities, how to contact missionaries, and stuff like that. Well, uh, the program, and I still have it at my house actually. Oh. Um, I wish I had brought it. And it looked just like ours. And I thought it was so cool. I'm like, look at that. Testimony that we're doing things right here. <laughs> and so we go in and turns out this was a full-blown church service that was going to go on for like an hour and a half. Oh. This wasn't a Christmas carol thing at all. This is a full-blown church service. They lied to you. I, I I don't know what it was, but dude, we got tricked. And honestly, I look back and I'm like, this is one of the coolest experiences of missionary because we totally got tricked into going to this and I loved it. And then, you know, and then like we're like, the Lord's like, you guys got to go to this. So we go in and we sit right in the middle of the entire, you know, room, you know, with the pews and everything. We sit right in the middle so everybody can see these two skinny white dudes in white shirts and ties and everything just sitting there. And um, we're, we're saying hi to everybody that we know that, you know, we've been meeting with and everybody's like, and you know, like everybody else is just like, how do these guys know anybody in our congregation yet? Are they joining our church or something? What the heck? And then Pastor Fred sees us, and, you know, his eyes get wide and he's got this big smile and comes over and says hi to us and everything. And, He's happy that we came and everything, and so we're like, "Ah, oh, this is a real church service, okay." Uh, a little freaking out, but you know, we could do this. It's gonna be good. You know, we got our smiles on and everything. Where's like, it's like a. I don't know if you've ever been like excited, but like worried excited. You know, mm -hmm. that's kind of what we were feeling. Like when you're about to get on a big ride at Disneyland or yeah. Disney World, and you're just like, "Oh yeah, I could easily die, but that's okay. This is still gonna be fun," you know. Yeah. Um. And then this lady, um, we see her, she's just like somewhere across the church and whatnot. She comes over, well, she sees us first, and she just like stares us down and just beelines it right to us. And she comes, she sits right next to us, and she's like, hello, um, you guys, uh, you're the missionaries in the area, right? I'm like, yeah. And she's like, you probably know my son, Jake. We're like, Jake? No, 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 she asked us our first names. She didn't want to call us elders, and so she asked us our first names. Um... My companion, his name is Jake Deer. And so he's like, oh, Jake. And she's like, oh, I have a son named Jake. You probably know him. And we're like, Jake? And you're like, 
Jacob Martin, like the guy we've been teaching and got baptized last month? She's like, yeah, that's my son. And we're like, oh, wow. Because we had heard stories about how, you know, she was really into her church thing. She didn't like members and stuff like that at all. And so we're both like, oh, wow. The, oh, this is his mom. Okay, this is going to be interesting. Um, well, you know, it went pretty well. Um, it was definitely interesting to be able to go to something like that. And I, I, my companion and I, we both talked about how it strengthens our testimony to be able to go to that. Just be able to see how important and necessary the restoration of the gospel was. Just because of how, how similar yet how different to our church meetings this church meeting was. Um, music was good, you know, lots of standing up, moving around, and singing songs and all that. And, you know, videos, jokes, you know, it was definitely a, like a really relaxed church meeting. And I thought it was really cool. Pastor Fred, he did a great job. Um, I was very impressed. But it strengthened my testimony of the restoration of the gospel of Jesus Christ, how important that was. Well, as it turns out, you know, later on down the road, um, we end up talking with this lady, uh, Jacob's mom, and she invites us to come by sometime, to come by and meet with her, because she wants to know what her son is really being taught, because, right. you know, she had made sure that her son was taught all the anti-stuff, you know, about our church, and, you know, how we're weird and everything, we're a cult that worships Joseph Smith and does goat sacrifices or whatever else people believe in. You know, that believe Mormons do and so they have all the wives and all that junk. And we're both like, yeah, we'd love to come by and, you know, get to know you and be able to share with you a little bit of what we're sharing with your son and everything and, you know, what's convinced him to join the church and everything. And oh, I think it was, I think it was either later that week or next week, we end up going by and seeing her. And she's like, yeah, whenever the missionaries come by, I always have the blinds closed because they, um, they had a lot of uh, security with their house and everything just because they had some weird experiences in the past and everything. And so they could see when the missionaries were going to come up, you know, to their house. And they close the blinds, lock the door, because they never use their front door. They always use their side door just as a way of, like, and they would never answer anything. They'd wait for the missionaries to leave and all that. Well, we got to know her and her husband, and they were wonderful people. Like, oh, my heavens. Her name was Kelly, and she was so nice. <laughs> she would call us, like, her sons and stuff like that. And we just had the best time with her and her husband. We were having lessons with them. Um... And missionaries aren't supposed to do this. They're not supposed to give hugs. But, man, she was huggy. She loved to give us hugs and everything. She's like, just call me your mom away from home. And I'm like, I can work with that. I can live with that. I think everybody has that. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it's just like, I don't think a whole lot of people have had one, you know, was a member, emphatically a member of another right, church right. and did not like our church. And so we ended up going through the lessons with her. And, like, with the plan of salvation and gospel of Jesus Christ, her and her husband ag agreed completely to just about everything we said. They're like, yeah, that— that's what we believe in because although they were a part of the First Baptist Church, they they talked about how people in that church have their own beliefs. They're they're different, you know. They they don't have this universal belief and principles of what I guess you could say, quote unquote, you're supposed to believe in. Right. Like um, like how members of our church, you know, we're taught the same principles because we believe that it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ taught specific principles that everybody you know needs to follow. Certain commandments everybody needs to obey. Principles that Everybody needs to understand to prepare them for the next life. And it was interesting because she she didn't have that same belief as everyone else in their church. Um, she was the same way as Pastor Fred, except also different. And she when she would read the Bible, you know, it was to understand the Lord. She wanted to understand his doctrine. She'd been to a lot of other churches growing up. She'd been through a lot of trying experiences in her life. She had been through a lot of health problems. Um, but she had real faith in the Lord. 
And so we went through the lessons with her. And then when, um, when it came to the restoration, a lot of the restoration, she's like, yeah, that makes sense. Until we got to the whole Joseph Smith part. And that's where she had problems with the Joseph Smith part and the restoration of the Book of Mormon. She's like, I'm, I'm, I'm not buying that. I'm not believing that. I don't, I don't think that's how it happened. I don't think that's how the Lord worked and everything. Um, and we couldn't get her to open up the Book of Mormon and read from it. And that, that was heartbreaking. Just the whole like, dude, we love you. And we just want you to open this up and read it. Because, you know, anything and everything you ask us to read from the Bible, we will do because we love the Bible. Just want you to open up the Book of Mormon and read just a little bit from it. And there were actually a few people like that in Winslow that um, went to this uh, Pastor Fred's church that, I don't know, we, we, we couldn't get them to open up the Book of Mormon. There was this one lady um, who had been to, like, some big seminar and whatnot of what Mormons believe, quote-unquote. And, you know, it was, like, completely an anti-thing. And she had a, a triple combination. The Book of Mormon, Dr. Drums, Pearly <laughs> Great Price together. And they had, they had been, you know, she threw the, out the thing, had marked them with the things that, you know, they because they handed them out to everybody and they were using them and like they marked them down and the guy that was teaching was like some return missionary and stuff like that pretty crazy stuff like against the church yeah like against the church mm -hmm. like um pretty crazy um and there were seminars like that all over throughout the mission in winslow in farmington which was another area i served in um in both the farmington wards i was actually in um there was something like that in cortez colorado just all sorts of anti-stuff all over the place like, yeah I know anti-stuff is something that most every missionary faces, but like me facing the anti-stuff strengthened my testimony because my testimony, the first, when I first gave my testimony, it wasn't based off of, you know, just scripture reading. You know, it wasn't based off of just, you know, praying this little warm, fuzzy feeling inside. No, for me, it was like, it was real experiences that changed my life. Um, and so the anti-stuff, I always found it really fun whenever I'd be able to hear some of it <laughs> and be like, okay, that's pretty interesting. Never heard of that before. Or when people point stuff out from the Bible, like, you know, this isn't conducive with you guys' belief system and everything. I love I love getting stuff like that. I really do. I, I'm I'm a complete conundrum. I like I don't seek it out, but if it comes, you know, I'm not gonna sit there and automatically be like, I don't want to hear you. I'm gonna be like, okay, I, I want to hear what you have to say, because you know what, this is gonna be a good opportunity for me to share my testimony. And you know, from her and Pastor Fred and much other people, you know, we would hear a lot of stuff like that. Um, it was a great experience. She never um she never ended up joining the church or anything, but that's okay. Um, her son Jacob. I think it was last year. He got sealed in the temple. He had wow. a baby just a few months ago, and I think he's going to have another kid here in the next few months. I don't actually know the entire – I've only gotten bits and pieces of it from Facebook. He's doing great. That's like, pretty seriously, cool, man. He's, he's on like, – like, as soon as he joined the church, he was on fire, and he's that fire is still burning, man, and I don't see it extinguishing anytime soon. Um, I guess going back to the Pastor Fred story, if that's all right. Yeah. Um, we met with them, and we taught with them the first three lessons, and then we ended up uh, going over one of the new lessons that was instigated while I was a missionary. That was the Families and Temples lesson. I don't know if you had that during your mission uh, at all. I don't think so. You don't think so? Uh, it's a lesson that just goes over the temples, what they are, what the purpose of them is, and I guess how the priesthood affects our temple worship and stuff like that, eternal families. It's an ingenious pamphlet. Like, I'm surprised the church didn't have this okay. you know, years ago. Because we had the Preach My Gospel Mm -hmm. And it was temples and ordinances, but I don't think we had families and, and ordinances. Is that what it is? Uh, families and temples. Ta that's families what... and temples. Yeah, I don't think we have that. Yeah. So what it did is, um, you know, how there's uh, the different lessons. You got lesson one, restoration, lesson two, plans of salvation, right. lesson three, gospel of Jesus Christ. And then you've got the uh, the fourth the fourth lesson, which is the commandments. And the fifth lesson goes over, um, as you said, families and ordinances or something like that. I can't remember. I haven't opened up preaching my gospel in a couple months. <laughs> I'm such a terrible person. I should open it up when I get home today. Just be like, all right. I'm opening it up. I'm not a sinner anymore. But anyhow, um, 
the two new pamphlets was Feminist Temples and then Learning and Serving the Church, and it went over church callings okay. and how to be involved in church activities and the ward and the stake and everything, and it went over that. These pamphlets were ingenious. I loved them. They were, my, they were some of my favorite lessons um, to learn about. I wasn't the best at teaching them, but I loved learning about them. And so we ended up going over with Pastor Fred. Rather than going to the commandments, we went through this Feminist Temples lesson. That's... Um, uh, we agreed to meet him in his office at his church instead of at his house and you know it was a different feeling he was kind of closed off to it at this point but still a great guy I, I'd say you know the missionaries and him were still friends and everything but we ended up not meeting with him much after that anymore uh, we at one point you know we were going past his house and we saw these guys in suits and ties and everything my companion jokingly he's like that's probably all the uh, Baptist bigwigs you know making sure he doesn't join the church or anything or take it seriously and I'm like yeah probably and like we both look at each other and we're like oh shoot that might be real <laughs> oh no do we go knock? You know, because we were just driving by, you know, and just going through the neighborhood. Like, should we go knock? Should we go talk to him or anything? We're like, no, probably not. Just because, you know, he's probably having a big meeting right now, and that'd probably be kind of rude just to barge and be like, hey, what's up? The Mormons are back and everything. But like, Speak of the devil. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. I really enjoyed it. It was a fun experience being able to get to meet everybody that was in that town. Well, something that a lot of people don't realize is that uh... – the heartbreak that you guys go or that we go through because mm-hmm. um, we uh, how old were you when you went i or, left at the mission when i was 18 18 okay so you're a younger missionary so yeah so these 18 19 20 year olds are they they learn to love these people because of their teaching mm-hmm. and then they say you know what i don't want it i don't i don't really want or mm. care about what you're teaching anymore and it's not even that that the fact that they don't want to listen to you is that they don't want to accept what you're teaching Mm-hmm. and it's it's heartbreaking man <laughs> it it's it's soul wrenching man that yeah. because you know at 18 to like 23 22 maybe even 24 25 for some people um I, at least what i've noticed for myself you know that's that's a year in your teenage years where you develop attachments yeah. you know like as a teenager that's a huge development year or development years in the life of a human being because of the attachments you gain the beliefs you begin to develop and so that's one of the reasons I think that leaving, you know, at a younger age, it's missionary is really, really important for somebody to do because it teaches them how to be attached to the gospel. And going along with what you're saying, yeah, those years you form these attachments with these people that you don't even know who they are. You know, mm-hmm. you just you go up and knock on the door and like, hey, you want to learn about the Savior? Uh, he's got this book called the Book of Mormon. Um, it was restored by a prophet that he spoke to. You just get to know it. And like then the people that say, yeah, I'll, you know, come on in. Let's talk about it. You, you come to love and it's soul wrenching. When they don't do anything about it. Yeah. When, you know, you as a missionary, it's your focus. It's your life goal and vision to know these truths, to believe these truths, to share these truths. And then you meet someone that you get to do all three of those with. You get to teach, testify, and invite. And, you know, they, they feel the testimony. Some of them, you know, they feel the testimony. You get to teach every single one of them, and you invite almost every single one of them. But then nothing happens. And no. that, that was hard. I, that was, a, I guess, when it comes to Farmington, which is my second area, Farmington, we had a lot of people that we'd meet with. Um, Farmington was a tough area right off the bat just because, you know, the previous missionaries that had been there were assistants to the president. And as you know, the assistants, they're busy guys. Yeah. And so when we came in, we weren't assistants. Um, and it was, I guess you say, almost like whitewashing the area again. Most of my areas were like whitewashing now that I think about it. It's either a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> I guess you'll never know. <laughs> I liked it. I liked it, so I'm not going to complain about it. Um, and we we would meet with so many people, and we'd be meeting with them because, like, when Farmington, you know, when you meet with somebody, it's it's not it's not as common for some of the areas like the area we, we were in the really really rich part of town. Uh, it's 
we called it the country club part so that was just one of the areas in it yeah uh, we had the either really really like trailer park area and then right next to it the really really rich um you know like penthouse like this is one lady that owned two castles there you know <laughs> i kid you not you can look it up and you'll, you'll, you'll look up farmington new mexico castles and there's two castles that legitimately look like something out of harry potter it's awesome and they're both hers yeah they're both hers <laughs> she didn't like the first one so she's like i want to build the second one so she built the second wow. one um i think she was a member right i think that was just a rumor i don't know if that was true but anyway anyway back on topic um, and so when you'd meet with people in Farmington, you'd be meeting with them for months. Um, some missionaries, you know, would be meeting with somebody that missionaries for three years in the past had been meeting with. And they'd be meeting with them. And a lot of the people I'd be meeting with in Farmington were people that had either been meeting with missionaries for a long time or, you know, we met and we'd be meeting with them for a long time. Because I was in Farmington for like seven and a half months. And I don't think our teaching pool changed a lot. Um, we met a lot of new people and stuff like that, but the people that we'd meet with would be the people that you know that I'd be meeting with for the rest of my time in Farmington, and I loved these people to death. But progress was so slow for some of them, which is okay. I think that slow progress is fine so long as it's progress. But some of the people I've learned, you know, still haven't done anything with it. And some of the people have just been stopped me with the missionaries just because the missionaries know that um, their purpose is to invite others to come into Christ. Their that they they're supposed to be busy. They're supposed to have tons of things to do every day they're supposed to be finding things to do every single day that's that's the big part of missionary is finding and you know these people would find it would just be heartbreaking to learn that you know they're they're not progressing or some of the people you know they'd be progressing and something would happen and they'd go backwards and you'd be like okay let's start from square one again and i, know, I thought that was really hard i think that's one of the reasons i loved winslow a lot because most everybody we met with there progressed at like the rate of lightning that was that was awesome there were lots of people you know like when my companion and i came to the area like jacob martin and the the johnson family and a lot of people like that it's just like right off the bat you know we'd be meeting with them and boom 150 miles an hour they'd be baptized within a few months they'd be going to the temple a year after that and stuff like that and i don't know but farmington farmington was great i love farmington i still remember a lot of the people we taught in farmington like the hall family Oh my goodness! Uh, my companion was on exchanges with uh, one of the zone leaders, and ended up meeting with the guy, giving him a book of Mormon. And the next day, we go by, and you know, the guy's like, "Yeah, I opened up. I read part of that introduction and stuff like that. You know, you guys showing me, and you know, we we want we want to learn more." And we end up going through the lessons with the guy, and he's like, "Dude, th this is exactly what my wife and I are looking for." Because he and his wife and his daughter, you know, they had been wanting to go to a church. They weren't really satisfied with the church they were previously going to, and they were just they were just gobbling it up man they were taking anything and everything we gave them um i actually had another dream that i'll go over later maybe i don't even know if i'll go over in you know this little segment here but <laughs> got another awesome dream experience from that uh man his family went through so much hardship he went through so much hardship just because of them he went through some health problems and he had a lot of anxiety but he was a good man and the hardships he went through i really like i could feel with i could be like yeah that's that's hard and then when I left the area, you know, he ended up getting baptized. He and his family did, but they, it's like, it's like their trials went from 10 to 100 after that. And I don't know, my heart went out to the guy. And after Winslow, I ended up going back to Farmington for a transfer. And I was in a different area, but I, I, I would be talking with other missionaries like, so how is, how are uh, Brother and Sister Hall doing? And they're like, yeah, we're still meeting with them, you know, every now and then. Whereas when, you know, when you know, my companions are in the area, we were meeting with them, you know, like every couple of days. Right. It was like whenever we get the chance, you know, 
we'd be meeting with them. You know, we wouldn't like overdoing it, but we were definitely meeting with them a lot more regularly than most missionaries probably meet with somebody. Um, and it just, it broke my heart to see that they, they were still trying, but they were going through so much hardship, so many trials. I think they, I think they ended up moving from Farmington to somewhere else in Arizona. I can't remember exactly the details because I wasn't there for them. But yeah, I guess what I'm trying to get it is I feel that there's, there's that connection that you build with people. And it's not just, it's not that physical, just friendship connection, not just acquaintance or business person connection. It's, it's, a, it's a deep, eternal, everlasting connection that has shaped your soul, that has shaped who you're going to become, who you're going to try and become. And when they've changed you so much, but they don't change a whole lot from what you're doing, that's hard. That's just, I know for some missionaries, that was for some missionaries almost too much to do. Um, I had a few missionary companions that really struggled from depression and they were good men, but you know, just the mission, it was really, really hard on them going through the rejection, going through the connections and attachments they would build and then see nothing come of it. That was, that was too much for some of them, man. And some of the missionary companions that I had, I still haven't been able to, I've been able to meet with most of my missionary companions since I've been home. That's cool. And that's been really cool. Um, I think there's only one of them that I don't know really what's been, no, 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 I still, no, no, no. I know what's been going on with him. I don't know. There's only like three of them I haven't actually met with. And two of them are married. Um, one of them I actually, you know, I've kept in contact with because, you know, he was at school the same time I was, but I was never able to meet with. I ended up meeting with his wife a little bit. Or was it through Facebook? Was it in person? I can't remember. It might have been through text or something even. But she reached out to me, and I was like, what? No way. And that was cool. And That's pretty cool, though. He was doing so good. He was awesome. He was my trainer, actually. And he went through a lot. I went through a lot during that time, but... I'm so glad that he's doing super good right now. He's he's on fire, man. If I could see him, I'd give him a big hug and be like, <laughs> "Dude, we got to talk just about life a little bit." So, so do you keep in contact with him through Facebook? Um, uh, some through Facebook. Some of them I still got the numbers on my phone. Okay. Um, like Elder Burton, that little punk. He and I. It was near the end <laughs> of my mission. We were in this little tiny area on the reservation called Steamboat, Arizona. For those of you that know what that is, I'm sorry. I mean, I'm just kidding. It was just ah, <laughs> oh, loved that area. It's this little place in the middle of nowhere. And it's got what are, they're called um, NHAs. Instead of neighborhoods, they're called NHAs, and it's just these little neighborhoods with, like, you know, maybe, like, 30 houses per neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And there were only two of those neighborhoods in this area, and that's really small for a part of the Nagel Reservation. And rather than, you know, like how in the United States we call them states, on the reservation they call them chapters. Mm. Um, and so this was the Steamboat chapter. Um, it's called Steamboat for a big rock that supposedly looked like a steamboat. I didn't see it, but somebody somewhere must have Maybe looked at it. Maybe from a certain it. angle. I don't know. I got to see that from a lot of angles, and I just wasn't <laughs> seeing it. I don't know. But anywho, man, that area was so fun. And I came into there with Elder Burton, and the guy that had been in before me, his name was Elder Barr, and he was one of the hardest working missionaries I had ever known. He had changed Elder Burton's life. And then I come in, and it's like that momentum got to keep going. It was awesome. I had so much fun with Elder Burton. That was probably the funnest point of my mission in Steamboat, Arizona, because we had this little tiny blue trailer that looked like, like some sort of little tiny Barbie doll house, you know, <laughs> like like something that like some 10-year-old gets for Christmas, like, here you go, here's a little Barbie doll house, and that's, that's what this trailer looked like. It used to be, be belonged to by um, a senior couple that was serving in Steamboat, uh, so I had gardening stuff and stuff like that. I won't go into that. Um, it, it was in nice condition. Everything worked. 
Um, one of the doors, you know, was completely bolted and locked because, you know, people tried to break in through it. Oh, okay. Um, it was just, it was awesome. Uh, I came in and I was like, Elder, we got to clean this place up. We're going to reorganize it. We reorganized it and we made it our home, man. I love that. But I think of all the areas I got attached to, that was one I got attached to the most. And that's the area I ended up leaving the mission in when okay. I finished the mission. Um, you, d- you didn't serve in too many areas, did you? Uh, let's see. I served in Cortez, Colorado. I went to Farmington. went to Winslow. went to Farmington again, but a different area. And then I went to Steamboat. Okay. That's so not too bad. Five. Five areas. Man, you were in Colorado and Arizona. And New Mexico. And New Mexico. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I never went to Utah. Um, I don't think I ever drove through Utah at all, but... Are all, all all four states were in your mission? Yeah, it's the Four Corners mission. Holy cow. Yeah, it covers five reservations. You got Hopi, Zuni, Ute, Apache, Navajo. I don't know. If, I Yeah, Zuni, Zuni does have part of the reservation. They have this little tiny park. Um, Ute, I don't... I don't actually know really anything about the Utes at all. Uh, another mission I served with, he knew them pretty well. So I'm pretty certain they were an actual reservation on out in that mission area. But yeah, it was a good area. I loved that mission. It wasn't a glamorous mission. Definitely not one of the more pretty missions. But I <laughs> loved desert. it. I mean, some areas, yeah. Some areas you got less than that. <laughs> and, oh, I miss it. There, there, for like a year and a half after the mission, man, there were times where like it would really bring me down to my knees. I missed being out there a lot. Just because the missionary lifestyle, it's super structured. Before the mission, I, I don't know, I was one of those teenage bozos that didn't care to have structure in his life. I think right. the most structured thing I had was high school and church stuff. And I fully confess this. Before the mission, I didn't really like church stuff a lot. I didn't really care to ever go to any of them. I didn't get along with any of the kids in church stuff. And then high school was like... The bane of my existence the big vice that was going to keep me out of heaven was high school and then i got on the mission and everything changes and i came home and i was like okay that structure was awesome being able to meet people like that was awesome i knew my purpose my goals my visions for the future that's what the mission was and i missed that a lot I mean, I even miss the crazy stuff where, like, you know, you get people that are, like, super pissed at you and threatening you and stuff like that. For no reason. Yeah, for no reason. This one guy, man, we we're just walking to get to our truck, and he's just out in his front yard, and I think I know, him and another guy were arguing, and he's like, hey, don't knock on this house. And we're like, we won't, bro. But, you know, our truck's right there, and he couldn't see our truck. Um, and so it's like, we're coming this way. His house is right here, and there's this corner like this. We're crossing the street. He's like, hey, don't knock on this house. And so we, we turn right here, you know, his walkway's right right up in front of our truck and he just starts yelling like don't come up to this house what is wrong with you and then we get in our truck and he's like oh never mind <laughs> goodbye and we're like okay and like once we close the truck doors Mike Vans and I are like because we were in a tree at the time we're just looking at each other like do we should come back and knock tomorrow <laughs> uh, we always do that kind of stuff man it's hilarious some of the funny things you do as a missionary and you know you're going to tick somebody off but at the same time you're like you're never going to know if you don't try it right so, so how did you guys go about uh, teaching over there? Is it just door-to-door or a lot of referrals? Um, so personally, and maybe maybe I'm just biased because of my mission and everything, but when you open up Preach My Gospel, it has that, how do I find people to teach? Right. And it has that long list of ideas. As a missionary, we, uh, we tried out most every single one of those ideas. The big one, you know, of course, was door-to-door. But our favorite one was to work through members because when you work through members, you know, you find somebody that's, already 
ready and willing to hear the gospel. Um, and then we found many other ways, um, like we were doing service through other churches and stuff like that. Believe it or not, working through other churches has an insane amount of success. That's wow. crazy, isn't it? And then like lots of areas where like we'd be able to eat for free and we get to know the waiters and stuff like that. They'd be like, yeah, mission been coming, by, coming by for years, but I have no idea what you guys believe. And it's be like, dude, how we come by some time and have a lesson with them? I mean, I was told by other missionaries that that's not a good idea because I could bite you in the butt, you know, with getting free food and stuff like that. Right. But I don't know, whenever my companions and I did it, we were like, whatever, if they don't like it, who cares? Still say hi to them. If you treat it, you know, like, like they're people that you care about, you know, more than just, you know, people that teach about Jesus too, then, you know, you have a good experience and an opportunity for testimony, testimony growth. Um, how do we go about teaching people? I'd say the big one was definitely door to door. Okay. But the other big one that where we saw the most success was working through members. Yeah. Um, oh, what would be a good, you, you good know, example? What's interesting is that, you know, I've, I've talked to a lot of missionaries from different parts that they've served and everybody says the same thing that member, member referrals work. are the best. Mm-hmm. Like it's the most successful. Plus, you know, if, if they're already, you know, talking with members, they already know a little bit and yeah. they already like what they feel. And so when it comes to missionaries, it's like they've already got this, you know, notion, this pre-made notion of, okay, they're not weirdos. <laughs> they don't, they don't sacrifice goats. They don't have horns. They don't have multiple wives, or at least the ones I know don't. It's pretty simple stuff. Yep. And so they've already got that basis of they're normal people, and what they believe in is more than just you know a Sunday church thing. It's a part of their life. I want to know what this is. And usually, you know, nine times out of ten, people that we meeting with be people that don't necessarily already have this curiosity of, okay, I want to join you guys' church, but how do I go about doing that? A lot of them were people who, well, I do want to learn what you guys believe. And then, you know, we'd end up, you know, teach them and they'd read the Book of Mormon. They'd be praying about it. They'd be going through the lessons. They'd come to church and they'd be like, wow, this is different. This is, this holds power. This holds, this holds real weight to it. And I want to, I want to know if this is true. And there were lots of experiences like that that were just amazing. I'm trying to remember one. But I can't seem to have any come to the top of my head. I think Stephen was the really big one, except that wasn't through member missionary work. We ended up um, we ended up taking every part of the ward because this was before priesthood was combined, before young women was combined and everything. Um, so we ended up getting, in one way or another, every single different one of the organizations and auxiliaries of the ward involved in t these people's teaching right. in their lives. And it was awesome because this ward hadn't seen a whole lot of missionary success for a long time. Um, and before, you know, they joined the church, um, there was a 16 year old kid they'd been meeting with us that, you know, ended up getting baptized and the ward was like, whoa, we, uh, we need to get involved. This kid, you know, he, he just got baptized. We haven't seen a baptism in a long time. And the baptism we have seen, you know, didn't really get anywhere. So we should probably get involved. And then, you know, we're like, well, here's the hall family. Here's a, here's a time. That you, it was like every, it's like the stars aligned, man. And it was awesome. And so they, the halls, they didn't really I don't know if they really, I wouldn't say they really had a strong basis of Christian understanding, but what they did know was enough to mm -hmm. bring them right into the gospel, to expand their hearts and their spirits enough to be like, this is something that we want. And then when we just, when we got the ward involved, the member missionary work was involved, it's like things became so much more easier for them, so much more comprehensible for them. Um, we'd be bringing out ward missionaries, people from the Sunday school and gospel doctrine classes, and they'd be able to ask their questions, they'd be able to have things clarified. We did a lot of reading with them from the Book of Mormon. I think we did, I think we read some stuff from Doctrine and Covenants in the New Testament with them and stuff like that. 
don't know. You got any other questions? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I got plenty, man. Well, um, backtracking to to what you said about uh, visiting other churches and other mm-hmm. religions, I think that's kind of uh, almost looked down upon by members. Really? It's like you, you shouldn't you shouldn't be going to other people's churches, which is kind of weird. Because I, I love it. Yeah, and it makes <laughs> I, I'm sense. I'm an enigma though, so <laughs> and it, it it makes sense because the only way to really, like you said, strengthen your own testimony is going and seeing how others think and how others believe. Mm-hmm. Because the mission definitely helps that with, with just teaching random people. You know, mm-hmm. the more you teach, the stronger your testimony is going to be. Exactly. And unfo- I, I unfortunately haven't been able to go to a, a whole lot of other churches, um, but it it makes sense and it. I think it's something that everybody should should be willing to do, especially if they're not going on missions. Mm-hmm. Um, because you can't really expect for people to go to yours without you going to theirs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. There's, there's a lot of that stuff. You know, since I've been back, that was one thing that I was a little bit skeptical about. Like, well, I probably won't really get a whole lot of, you know, flavor with other churches. But since I've been back, there's been a lot of, um, rather it was a community activity, service activity, uh, seasonal Christmas or Easter activity, something like that. That involved another church. You know, this actually happened a bit more times than I thought. Like, uh, just recently, in my ward out in Nampa, we had this, um, it was actually a state conference. And it was a very different state conference than any state conference I've ever been to. And I loved it. I was super late, so I confess that. I'm horrible, I know. But I loved it because we had this pastor from another church. Oh, okay, That came cool. by, and he spoke in the state conference. And he was wonderful. He was awesome. Talked about the Savior, talked about did lots of scripture references and stuff like that. We also had the stake patriarch. We had some people who, um, one of them was a convert and one of them was a returning and active member. We had, it was just such a unique series of flavors in this yeah. state conference that I'm like, wow, why isn't this something that is more church-wide? Why isn't this something that's pressed more frequently as a, hey, this is something that you guys should know about it because my thoughts on that are, you're not going to be a better cook if you don't try other people's cooking. If you right. don't learn how to cook from other people. If you only ever learn from one instructor, you will only ever know what that one instructor thinks. Yeah. And you'll never get better. I mean, it may be the best car driver or cook, or sorry, chef in the world, but if you don't learn from others, you won't learn other ideas. You won't learn other options. You won't be able to strengthen your own understanding of that topic, whatever it is. And so just going off what you said, yeah learning about the savior and scriptures even and principles of the commandments and everything from people that aren't of our faith is an incredible opportunity to expand not just your testimony but your understanding of what that testimony is that was a big thing i as a missionary learned a lot about was what a testimony is because i knew i had had a testimony and i know that when i was younger like really really young i I'd always known I was going to serve a mission. I didn't really ever know why, but I was always like, yeah, I know I'm going to serve a mission. And then, you know, the time, and admittedly, I hadn't always been as active in the gospel. And there were even times where I didn't really like the church at all. I didn't want anything to do with it. And I know there were times where I was really only going to because my parents were making me go to it, like a lot of other, I don't know, snotty teenage boys <laughs> in the church, you know, go through. Um, what was I getting at? Is it? Why did you go? Yeah, I went because <laughs> I was made to go. And then, you know, as a missionary, I'm going because I want to learn about the Savior. And New Mexico, Arizona, Colorado are 
excellent opportunities to see the world in a hundred different lights. Like um, just today in our Sunday school class, um, this guy's name is Thomas. He's a wonderful, wonderful human being. I love the guy. He talked. Uh, he went to Philadelphia for his mission. He's like everybody was either Catholic or not religious and didn't want to be religious. And I sit there and I'm like, wow, what would that mission have been like? Because it's like every single person you meet was 100% different from the next person. Didn't matter what their upbringing was. Didn't matter what their ethnicity was. Didn't matter what their education was, their career was, what their religion or political uh, political orientation or sports fandom or whatever it was. They were always 100% different from the next person. Mm-hmm. And you would never find two people that were the same. You would meet people that would go to the same churches, and they were still 100% different from the next person. And I loved it. That, that's, that's how I want to learn. That's how I want to spend the rest of my life is surrounded by completely different people. Um, I don't know if it's because I get bored of people that, you know, are all the same. I don't know <laughs> if it's because, you know, I'm so ADD and I have so much attention deficit that if I focus on one thing for too long, I'll go insane. I don't know what it is. But being able to meet 100 different people that are 100 different ways is so much more exciting, so right. much more interesting, and so much more strengthening and energizing for me. Um, I wouldn't say that I'm a complete extrovert, but you know, I definitely pass it off as a complete extrovert. So getting to know a hundred people is just something that not only I enjoy, but is natural. That's a big thing about the mission. I notice. Um, before the mission, I was not as social as I really should have been. Yeah, and for the sure. few the few friends I made before the mission were friends that I've been friends with for years now. I got my good buddy Joe, Lee, Garrett. Um, I've made friends after, but those are the friends that I was really close to before the mission. I've also got Cody's like uh, friends like Cody, Preston, Daniel, and stuff like that. But I'm not really super close with them anymore. Um, but these other friends were friends that you know, I, I don't know how it was like I made them friends by accident, and then I go out in the mission field, and I had to be thrown to this world of you got to be talking, you got to be communicating. You got the world needs to know who you are, what you stand for, why you're standing for it, because nowadays. That's how you get known. You're not known by just standing in one place and saying, I'm not moving. You're, you're, I mean, that's what you're supposed to do in the gospel, but you're known by standing in that one place and throwing things out there, you know, speaking to the wind, making sure that the world can hear that you're communicating, that you're not going to be silenced, that you're going to be loud, and that the world has to live with that fact. And I wasn't like that before the mission at all. I didn't honestly know what I stood for, and so when I became a missionary, that completely changed. And I had to not only learn... To do that, I had to learn how to love it because if I, I'm the kind of person where if I don't like what I'm doing, I'm never going to be good at it. I'm always going to drag my feet. And so I had to learn how to love that. And ever since I've been home from the mission, I mean, I don't know, you can go to every single ward I've ever been in, you know, since I've been home in Boise, Nampa, or Rexburg, and they'll all tell you, yeah, that kid, he didn't shut up sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that kid, everybody knew him by the time he was done there. And I don't know, it's just become natural and instinctive to be like that now. And it's one of the gifts that I'm really, really grateful for because it's changed who I am and who I want to become, what I'm capable of. Um, it's helped me learn how to focus better. It's, it's helped me learn how to manage my emotions better. I mean, I know that everybody's different, but for me personally and who I am, it's, it's been the perfect gift for me to be able to receive from the Lord. And I consider it a spiritual gift to be able to be like this because this wasn't something that I developed through just, you know, public speaking over and over and over and over. This is something that I prayed for and wanted to gain, and that's how I gained this gift that's not just a spiritual gift, but is a temporal gift. Um, honestly, I'm so bad at getting off topic. I don't know that's how I okay. did it. It's like, you ask a question, the next thing I know, I'm answering a hundred other questions <laughs> that, I, that I'm pretending you asked. That's okay. 
But I think, yeah, I think it's very important to be social, to be out there mm-hmm. because nobody's going to really know who you are or what you're about if you're, like you said, if you just stand there. And be social with more than just your immediate group of friends. Yeah. I've seen that a lot with people in the church where, say, a teacher's quorum gets really close to each other, you know, and it's, it's like four teachers and they get to know each other. But then there's always those eight other teachers that aren't super active, either because of family situation, because of their own situation, because of something, you know, and they're just not super active. Well, those four teachers, you know, there's four of them. Those four guys together, they hold power together. Those four little boys hold power that they don't even know. And if they don't reach out and use the potential they have, those other eight, they're going to be forgotten because the easiest... Uh, time of your life to fall away from the gospel is when you're young. Yeah. In my opinion, it's anywhere from 14 to 23 is, in my opinion, the biggest area that people could leave the church and be forgotten, be completely just dust in the wind. But at those ages, you know, the, the, the youth and the young adults that exist are people that can shape people's lives. And if you socialize with more than just you know, your church friends, or more than just your school friends, you actually learn to socialize with a hundred different people that have a hundred different backgrounds. You become this valuable and important instrument to do the Lord's work because suddenly, you know, you're a lot more like Jesus Christ. I mean, think about it. He, he lived one gospel. He taught very specific principles. He was a very defined person, but there was not a single person on this planet that he couldn't talk to, that he couldn't teach to that he couldn't in some way or another improve their life. And it was some if it was somebody that just plain wouldn't listen to him, like Herod or um, one, of the, one of the stories of him and Pontius Pilate, you know, he didn't say anything. And it's because silence taught them more than actual words. Um, I guess what I'm trying to get at is learning to not just be social, but learn how to socialize with human beings, not members of the church, but with human beings is something that allows you to be so much more and achieve so much greater potential in life. I know there's probably a lot of introverts that might listen to this and think, well, I can't do that. Well, believe it or not, introverts are capable of completely different socialization I've yeah. been able to notice. I, I've had a lot of friends that were big introverts, but the circle of friends they've been able to gain from that have been completely different, have been very unique individuals that needed them as a friend. I've been able to see that you know an introvert is somebody that can make a friend that's a lifelong friend. Rather than making a hundred different friends, they make the like ten friends that are lifelong friends yeah. that they're able to change and mold the lives of. And I don't know, it's awesome. Well, I think that going along the lines with with every missionary has a background story mm-hmm. and the way they live and the way that their experiences have have changed them. Uh, they're sent to their mission for a reason, or to certain areas of specific people. Mm-hmm. Same thing with extroverts and introverts. Uh, I think introverts have the the power to really affect single people mm-hmm. that need it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there certain people that, that just need the attention of one person versus the attention of 100 people, like you said. Mm-hmm. And there's other people who are really good at retaining that, that momentum of spirituality in groups of people. Mm-hmm. Like, I know, do you know Spencer Anderson? I feel like he knows everybody. I his name sounds familiar. I'd have to see a face. I'm a lot better with faces okay. than with names. Well, like well, just the other day, I, there was this guy and I called him something completely different. He's like, "That's not my name." I'm like, "Oh, <laughs> that's okay." Bad. Well, he he he's married now, but he knew everybody, and he would always invite people over. Nice. And he would he was a complete or he is a complete extrovert. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's his way of 
of expressing himself and of having people um he's he's a big reason why i stayed very active in in the church when i moved up here that's cool man um because there were times where it's just like man i don't really want to go but you can fade away Spencer, you know, easily <laughs> yeah um but that's that's his way of, of inviting people and there's other people who just one-on-one it's perfectly fine it's, exactly. it's needed i think <laughs> i don't know <laughs> I, I agree wholeheartedly that makes perfect sense um all my friends completely different one from another and most of these friends have been able to learn how to get along and be good friends with each other. Um, I don't know. I don't know if it's because of me or whatnot. I don't really care if it was because of me or not, but it's just something where they've all been able to get along. They've all been able to realize, okay, we're friends with Jaden. You can't get much worse than that. So now we can be <laughs> friends with each other. There you go. I don't know. It's been really cool. If you actually get to meet any of my friends, I'm sorry, but you might enjoy it. <laughs> That's okay. Um, aren't you like a, n- n- and this isn't offensive or anything, but aren't you like a nerd of some type? Ah, uh, dude, I <laughs> am definitely a nerd. I wouldn't say I'm a geek because I don't really care for technological stuff. I can't sit. I don't. I don't really care for computers and stuff like that. But when it comes to like you know like Marvel, Star Wars, Dungeons and Dragons, yeah, man, that that's my jam. That's where I'm at. <laughs> like my dad, he loves to watch sports, and I'm like, it's so boring, dude. I can't do it. So, I, I guess every mission has something different. But what did you guys have for P days, like game wise? <laughs> well, uh, get this. So our mission president was not a fan of us playing card games or doing Dungeons okay. Dragons and things like that because he thought it was very distracting, which was very true. It I is. knew missionaries that did it, and it was very obsessive. I remember in Winslow, like in the last couple of transfers, a lot of the missionaries I knew, they got into Pokemon, and it okay. drove me insane. You know, I think Pokemon's cool, but like, dude, it'd be like these guys were like, they'd be calling us at like 10 o'clock like, dude, guess what? What? I got a new Pokemon pack. <laughs> and I'm and my companion's like, dude, that's awesome. And I'm sitting there like, can we uh, just go to sleep, please? Yeah. We finished on the area book. And I don't know, but they loved Pokemon. And now that they're all home, being able to talk with a bunch of them, and they're like, yeah, it was cool. I'm like, what? How did, what? Nothing happened. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, nothing, you know, just, it didn't last. But anywho, uh, so for P-Days, we usually, most areas I went to, we did some sort of exercise. Uh, like basketball was a big thing. Um, in Farmington, uh, they have this amazing disc golf course. It's like, hiking and rock climbing in a disc golf course and i loved it it was my favorite things to do my companions you know they all loved as well so we went and did that a lot um we did a lot of card games like uno um we had a lot of board games like risk so there's a Catan stuff like that um i don't know they were they were pretty normal p-days um p-days on the reservation very different though because you're kind of secluded from human life right but then you know the people that you that you work with so there's a lot of exploration you do like there's this area next to steamboat called toye and it's this ginormous abandoned police academy and a neighborhood of like 50 houses hmm. like half the houses have like fallen down and stuff like that and so you can go and explore it yeah one of the previous missionaries there he went and uh, i don't know what what his deal was but man he took his axe and destroyed every single toilet in that building <laughs> and i was really concerned like why did he do that my companion's like i don't know just gonna, really you know those stress. destructive tendencies or something <laughs> but you know, went around. I was going to use the bathroom, and sure enough, every single one was wow. in pieces. He was very thorough. <laughs> so I guess a question for, for a lot of people who don't know about the reservations, because I served in an area close to uh, to Moapa, or Moapa? in Moapa, in in, Los, in Nevada. Okay. So there's a, there was a reservation nearby, but we never went. Well, no, actually we did. But um, what's different about it? What is What can't you do there? On the <laughs> or, Navajo Reservation? Sure. Um, 
Because they have their own, like, they have their own laws, don't they? Laws. <laughs> if, if you can't see, I'm doing the quotation marks with my fingers. Um, well, uh, there's stop signs. Um, there's suggestions. <laughs> um, usually, you know, people just shoot at them with, you know, their, uh, their rifles or shotguns or something like that. Huh. There's speed limit signs, um, you know, like where it says like 45. That usually means you can push maybe 95, 100 miles an hour. Um, sometimes you can race the police officers. Um, plenty of people, you know, they'll be teaching, we'd be te- talking with them, and, you know, they smell like weed or something in the back, and we're like, you guys ain't smoking weed, are you? are like, yeah, is that a problem? I'm like, mm, okay. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, we're going to get through the lesson here, and uh, probably shouldn't be smoking weed. But they'd be like, eh, whatever. Mm. Um, I don't know. What yeah, can't you I, do? I, I know I, they made some new fire laws that like you can't burn your trash, but nobody <laughs> listens to those. So yeah, I, I kind of noticed that they don't. They're not very receptive to to the gospel. Mm, I would I would disagree with that. Okay. Because um, if you approach it like a businessman style as a missionary, yeah, you're not gonna get anywhere. Right. If you approach it like they're your best friend. Oh yeah, they're gonna let you in. They're gonna have lunch with you. They're gonna uh, like. There were plenty of times like we just be knocking on the house and be like, "Oh, it's the Gomale." That means like religious fanatics or okay. religious freaks, you know, in the in the Navajo tongue. They're like, "Oh, it's the Gomale. Come on in. It's my birthday. Let's sit down, eat some cake, have some chili." <laughs> and we're like, "All right." And there's like forty people there, and we're like, "Holy cow, cool." So how how long did you serve in the, in the reservations for? It was three transfers. And, and that was uh, the only area that I actually served on the reservation was Steamboat. Okay. Um, in Winslow, uh, it was surrounded by reservation areas. So there was places like Dilcon and Loop. And I'd go on exchanges to Loop every now and then. Loved Loop. Oh, my gosh. So fun. Members out there are insane. I love it. Um, but Steamboat was the only area that, like, I actually, you know, lived on the reservation and taught every day on the reservation because okay. it was in the middle of nowhere reservation that makes sense because i i the reservation was in our area but we only visited it maybe once every two weeks really was it just super out of the way or uh kind of okay yeah because we lived in towards the center of the area and they were towards the the edge of the area on the on the other side of the freeway mm-hmm. so makes man. sense and there weren't very many it was it was literally like like you said maybe 20 30 houses so it depends on what there are some areas like Chinle. They just started this TV show about the Chinle high school basketball team out there. Um, and it's a big area. Like that area, that area has a lot to it. It's got this, it's got this huge basketball court, which by the way, uh, my zone and I, when I was in, uh, in steamboat, we were one day we were, uh, called the zone leader. Somebody called someone was like, Hey, P day, you guys are coming to Chinle. And we're like, bro because we you know you have to get zoning permission to leave your district <laughs> and so we're like bro we're gonna do an hour and a half long car drive so we're in the car for an hour and a half driving down there uh and, you know we got ready early and everything got permission to be able to leave the area early and everything so we uh we got you know all of our stuff done early got our study done and everything and we're like okay driving down to chinley let's do this and we drove all the way down to chinley and we got to play on this awesome basketball court like if you ever see the tv show man that basketball court i've been able to play basketball on that court with like i don't know like eight other missionaries what, what's it called uh, Chinle, Chinle, Arizona. Chinle, Arizona. Mm. Look it up, people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Super fun. Basketball court there. Love it. Sweet, man. All right. Well, t- looks like time's up. Yeah, it's looking <laughs> like it. All right. Any last things that you'd like to tell people, future missionaries or return missionaries, or even me- non-members? Mm. You know, this is more like a word out there to people 
who are thinking of going on a mission, go on a mission, but have the end of the mission in mind. Not not like not sitting there being what you know. Lost missionary is called trunky, where you're like you're as a missionary, you're talking about home things, and you just you're ready to be done with the mission. No, I'm talking about like have the end in mind. Who do you want to be by the time you finish the mission? What what do what good do you want to do in the world as a missionary? Because when you come home, that's when the Lord puts you to the test. You know, as, as a missionary, I mentioned a little bit before, He gives you structure in your life. As a missionary, the Lord He knows what you're capable of, and He's going to use that because 24/7 you are living, breathing missionary. You are breathing the life of a missionary. When you come home, that's when the Lord really puts you to the test and says, "Hey." Are you going to continue to serve me? He says, hey, are you going to continue to put structure in your life? If you're going to continue to be capable of what you were as a missionary, you got to keep this up, but this time you got to choose it. Because as a missionary, it's something where those missionaries that really, you know, like genuinely rebel, they do it knowingly. And they do it because they don't really care about the mission rules or about missionary service a lot of the time. So when you come home it's like are you are you going to continue to be this hard-working person are you going to continue to seek people out you know not you know not by knocking door to door you know like hey you want to read this book i just got back teaching about it. you want to hear some more it's not like that it's something where are you can are you going to continue to be involved in church stuff are you going to continue to be social to help people at your work are you going to continue to be selfless in all that you do. Um, you can continue to have those Christ-like attributes to learn the lessons. You know, if you want to learn how to teach something, if you want to learn something, learn how to teach it. And so when it comes to preaching my gospel, the things you learn there are things you learn how to teach. You know, it has the, how do I manage time wisely? How do I find people? How do I do Christ-like attributes? But those missionary lessons, that's where I learned the most, was by studying those missionary lessons because I learned what those were. And when you come home, you got to want to continue to live that stuff. You got to want to continue to see that stuff as a necessity in your life that's irreplaceable. And I guess that's just the last thing I want to say is when you come home, keep being a missionary because it's going to be worthwhile. You're going to find so much satisfaction. You're going to find so much joy. You're going to find so much purpose in life. Although your purpose is not the same as a missionary, you're going to continue to find what you want your purpose to be. And you're going to love you're going to love finding that purpose. So yeah, that's a, pretty much all I got. Perfect, man. Thank you. And thank you for being on the show. Hey, thank you. Have a good one. All right. Peace. Thanks, everybody.